0: Would you go, please, to Romans, the 12th chapter, Romans chapter 12. Oh, the Lord is good, yes. so good. Thank you. thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, and we are blessed, so blessed. We began a, a new series a couple of weeks ago that we're calling The Perfect Will of God, The Perfect Will will of God. We get that phrase from this 12th chapter of Hebrews and the first verse, if you look there, Romans 12, 1, He said, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service verse 2 and be not conformed to this world now that means you could be even as a believer there are a lot of people that get saved but they never grow in Christ likeness they're never fed there's a lot of people that get born again they they come under conviction they see their lost condition They receive Jesus. They're gloriously born again. They know something amazing has happened to them. And they're on a euphoric high for a few days. And then they just kind of fade back into the world. They don't go to church anywhere. They don't feed on the scriptures. They don't learn how to pray. They don't learn how to live by faith. And they are saved. But they are conformed to this world. If you look at their lives and look at the life of an unbeliever, they look very much alike. Well, you can see it. Don't be conformed to this world. You must be able to be conformed or he wouldn't say don't be. And he's writing to the saints that are at Rome. saved people. Be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed. That's a wonderful word. Transformed. It's a, we get the word metamorphosis from the Greek word that's translated this. It's like what happens when a caterpillar turns into a butterfly. <laughs> Not just a little change. <laughs> Big change. Be transformed by What? The renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. How are we going to prevent being conformed and just absorbed into this non-believing world? Well, we're going to be transformed instead of conformed. How's that going to happen? By the renewing of our mind. Well, what What does that involve? The renewing of our mind involves us discovering and being confirmed in what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. If you don't know the will of God, you don't know what to receive and what to resist. If you don't know what's the will of God and what's not the will of God, you don't know what to fight for And what to fight against. And there are two great errors. In the world. And you find it in the church. And that is one. That everything that happens. Is the will of God. Well if that's true. Why do I need to discover and test and prove. What is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. If it's all the will of God. I don't need any discernment to find out what it is. But then also, a whole lot of people believe that the will of God is too complex and too mysterious for us to even understand. So I can't understand what the will of God is. It's, it's above my pay grade, so to speak. Well, Ephesians says, you know, we looked at this last week. Ephesians 5.17 says, Wherefore be ye not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. Does the Lord want me to understand what his will is? He said, don't be foolish. Don't be unwise. Not knowing the will of God is being foolish. And being in the dark. And you'll find this is one of the biggest issues In life, is God real? Does He exist? And then after that, what's His will? What is His will? Well, the scripture tells us that we're to pray, among other things, for our leaders, for kings, for all that are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty, and that people may come, you know, to the knowledge of God. This is the will of God. I said, this is the will of God. War is not the will of God. The destruction and the chaos is not God's will. If you want to see God's perfect will, go to the very beginning of the book. Before the fall, God made everything the way he wanted it to be. And he looked at everything that he had made and he said, It's good. It's good. It's good. It's It's very good. And there was nothing that wasn't good. You know? Everything bad happened after the fall, after sin, after judgment. There was no disease, there was no famine. There was no chaos, no evil, no destruction. Then fast forward do you get to the end of the book, Revelation. After the enemy's been removed and there's no curse. And there's no pain. There's no sorrow. There's no crying. There's no dying. What are you looking at? The perfect will of God. And all of this bad stuff that happened in between. Is not the perfect will of God. God made it the way he wanted it to be. And it was man's sin. And the enemy's work that messed it up. But. God had a plan. To fix it. Hallelujah. And before it's all done. We're going to be. No curse. No death. Oh hallelujah. Are you looking forward to it? You should. You should be looking forward to it. Now you got a job to do in these days while you're here. This is the shortest thing you and I will ever do this life. If you live a hundred years plus, it's like a vapor, the scripture said. It appears, it's like a morning mist. Now you see it, well, what happened to it? It's gone. That's our earthly life. And so you don't want to rush getting out of here. You don't want to leave before you're done. You're not just here to bide your time; you're here to accomplish something. Yeah. And your graces, your gifts, whether you've acknowledged them or developed them or not, are beneficial to the body of Christ in some ways. Yeah. And you've got to just make yourself available. And uh, you know what that man was saying that is out of prison in the halfway house. Now that's exactly the right idea. Yeah. He he said he's available. Is that right? And he's volunteering for things and and, and there's no job. It's too lowly for him. He's, he's happy to do it. That's how you get promoted. That's how you don't waste your days sitting around waiting to be noticed, bored and all this stuff. No. Put your hand to something and that gives the Lord something to prosper. So uh Look at this again, Romans 12, verse 2. He said, don't be conformed to this world. Everybody said out loud, I choose choose not to be be conformed to this world. world. I choose choose to be transformed transformed. by the renewing of my mind. Now what's going to accomplish that, the renewing of your mind? Keep reading. That I may prove, that word prove means test and decide what is that good and acceptable perfect will of God. The thing that's going to renew your mind is finding out the will of God. Don't miss this. Don't skip this. Don't let this be too simple for you. The thing that's going to renew your mind is finding out what's God and what's not God. What's God's will and what's not God's will? What pleases him and what doesn't please him? And where are we going to find that out? We're going to find that out in his word. His word is his will. And we're going to find that out in daily life, in in every decision, in every situation, by the Holy Spirit who authored the word. He's living inside us and he will lead us In line with the Word and also give us a personal particulars and details. It'll all be in line with the written Word, but there are times you need particulars. You know, is it God's will? Let's say you're a single person and you've met somebody. Is it God's will for me to marry this person? Well, I can't take you to a scripture that says, you shall marry so-and-so. <laughs> or, you know, you're, you're looking at going into an occupation or uh, investing in this particular thing. I, I can't find a scripture necessarily that, that has your name and has the name of that. and But you need to know the will of God. Is it God's will for me to do this? Or is it not? You, you and I getting... The will of God begins with a heart set. Look with me, if you would, at two openings. Go to Isaiah, the first chapter. And then we'll be turning over, I think, to uh, John, the seventh chapter. Isaiah 1 and 2. Isaiah 1, verse 2. He said, Hear, O heavens, and give ear, O earth... For the Lord has spoken, I have nourished and brought up children, and they have rebelled against me. The ox knows his owner, and the ass or the donkey his master's crib, but Israel does not know, my people does not consider. Even animals know who they belong to and where they belong in the barn, in, in the stall, and God says, my people don't know who they belong to. My people don't know who their maker is, who their owner is. Why? You know, Jesus is not just our Savior. He's our Lord. Lord means He's in charge, not you. You're not Lord. He's Lord. You're not in charge of your life. He's in charge of your life. Now this is not the way many people live, but it's the way it's supposed to be. But the Lord's not going to force anybody to do his will. You have to want to find his will. If you skip on down to the 19th verse, see he was talking about the same thing. Verse 19, if you be willing and obedient, you shall eat the good of the land. Are there benefits to being willing to do his will and seeking and finding and doing his will? Willing and obedient. Notice which came first. (laughs) Not the obedient but the willing. The willing came first. Why? Because the Lord knows our hearts and he knows whether you're willing or not. He sees, you know, right down into us. All things are open and naked before the eyes of him with whom we have to do, the scripture said. And if he knows you don't want to hear it, If he knows you're unwilling to do it, is there any point in him even having a conversation with you about it? Because you don't want to know the will of God. You know, maybe people around you, they don't know that, but he knows. So he knows whether it would do any good to talk to you about it now or not. The reason many have not discovered the will of God in their life is because they've not yet become willing to do it. You've got to become willing to do it. Somebody says, Do what? Exactly. Exactly. Well, how am I going to be willing to do something and I don't even know what it is? You've got to trust the one who would be telling you. That's the thing. So here we are, all the way back to faith. Again, seems like we just keep coming back there, don't we? Another word for faith is trust. Trust. It's a matter of trust that he's not going to tell me to do something that's just going to be bad. Or that's just going to hurt me. Or even if it requires initial sacrifice, I'm going to wind up way better in the end than I would have. Do I trust him? Is the question. And he requires that trust before he reveals the next part of his will to you. So this is how you find the will of God. Now we know you can find in the word. It is God's will for everybody to be saved. He's not willing that any should perish. Healing is his will. You can find that in the Word. Deliverance is his will. Having all your needs met, that's his will. Having peace of mind, having joy, that's his will. But now we're talking about the specifics of where you go in life, what you do, and who you do it with. These are things you need to get by the Spirit. From the Holy Spirit. Because even millions of Christians. Are absolutely. Wasting. Decades of their life. Starting on this endeavor. Only to realize years into it. Ah this is not what I want to do. Okay. Starting over in this thing. And then realize no I don't like that either. We don't have decades. Decades. waste. And the reason why that is so common is because people start with the wrong priority. What do I want to do with my life? Eh, wrong question. And even Christian parents are enforcing this bad idea. They're telling their little children. They're telling their, their little sons and their little daughters, their young children, you know, honey, you're you're amazing, you're smart, you're this and that. You can be anything you want to be when you grow up. No, they can't. Not in the perfect will of God, they can't. Now you can, because the Lord won't force you. You can try anything you want to do. And you can waste half your life trying to figure out who you are and what you should be and do. But as a child of God, as a Christian, that's already been decided for you. It's not up to you to decide what you want to be and do. It's up to you to discover yeah. what God has already ordained for you and I to be and to do. And then follow it out. Follow it out. Follow that path. The path of the will of God. Follow that path of light that gets brighter and brighter through the full day, son. Hallelujah follow that path, the perfect will of God. Hallelujah. We talked about this last week. I mean, where is the safest place on earth? Anybody know? It's not a geographic location. It's not the place that has the lowest, you know, demographic crime rate. Well, we only had one, you know, crime. Well, yeah, but that's you. (laughs) Low numbers. Well, it was a big number to you. What's the safest place on earth? Come on, help me out. The biggest thing you should depend on is the protection of God, the keeping of God, his angels and his spirit. Where are you going to have that fully in the perfect will of God? Right. And so then where is the most dangerous place on earth? Out of the will of God, that's right. completely yeah. out of God's will, missing God, yeah. that's a dangerous place to be. Yeah. Why? Because you are exposed. Right. You get over on the enemy's territory where he can get to you, where he can access you. Disobedience makes us vulnerable, disobedience exposes us. Yeah. I want to be safe. Yes. How about you? Hallelujah. I want to be kept. Where is the most fulfilling place, the most peaceful place, the most satisfying, joyful place? It's in the middle of the perfect will of God. Where's the most miserable place, most frustrating place, somewhere you're not even supposed to be, trying to do something you're not even graced to do, and you can blame it on everybody? Why don't these people like me, and why won't they help me? You ain't even supposed to be there, silly. (laughs) You're just aggravating everybody. Now you're laughing, but that describes millions of Christians. Why won't the Lord help me? Why won't he help you miss him? Why won't he help you get out of the will of God and stay out of the will of God? He's not going to help you do that. So no, it's not up to us to decide what we want to be and do and then get God to help us. Do that. Amen. No. It's up to us to discover what God has already foreordained good works for us to walk in. What He's already made us to be. He knew you before you were born, He sees the end from the beginning. He knows what you're good at and what you're not. Why? He made you to be good at that. He put that in you, right? And there is a place where you fit and where your graces shine and manifest. That's where you want to be. I said, that's where you want to be. How do I get there? How do I get there? Well, one of the things that uh, the Lord dealt with me, go go with me over to, to John 7 while I'm Introducing this to you. I got saved when I was a boy. And then when um, I was about, oh, Phyllis and I got married young. And in the first couple of years of our marriage, we found out about what people call the word of faith. And we began to, to feed on these things about faith and redemption And looking back now, that caused us to begin to grow. Mm -hmm. I didn't see it then. But you can be in church for 50 years and never grow. Just being traditional and religious Mm -hmm. will not cause you to develop. You can only be nourished up on the words of faith. And so uh, after about a year or two, of feeding on the Word like this. And I mean, this was a daily thing for us. I mean, every day after work, we'd come in, sit on our little plastic couch in our mobile home and with our little battery-operated uh, tape player and listen to these tapes and make notes and and get stirred up. And something began to, to work in me. Looking back now, it was a deep calling to deep. It was what God had already prepared for me, calling for me. But I didn't know it. I had no plans to be a preacher. None. It was not something that I had thought about at all or aspired to. I was going to be a fighter. <laughs> yeah. Martial arts fighter. And uh, I tried hard to do that for a little while and and we got married and in our little community, I had a pretty good setup for a young man. I had a beautiful wife. I had a hot rod, fast motorcycle. I had a, a dog that caught my Frisbee. I had a, one of the best local jobs there. And number of reasons why you should be happy and content. And I got... Discontent. It really started, something started happening in me. Well, what is this? I mean, it'd get me up in the nighttime. I'm praying. Like I said, we're feeding on the word at the same time here. And I'd look up in the night sky and go, God, what? What is it? I didn't know what it was, but I knew it was something. Well, looking back now, there's a call on our life. I'm not supposed to just be there, stay there and be content with that. Right. Mm-hmm. We're supposed to reach for something else. we're supposed to pursue something else, and the next part of the call was halfway across the country in Oklahoma, and I didn't even know about that yet and but i'm I'm crying out to God in John seven are, are you there yes, sir. Yeah. in John seven, they said to Jesus about Jesus, rather, the elders and the doctors of the law and those guys, they marveled at his teaching and preaching. They said, uh, verse 15, they said, How knows this man letters, learning, having never learned? In other words, he didn't get that at our seminary. (laughs) Where did he get all that? Where did he get all that? Because, I mean, Jesus was not, you know, he was not a trained rabbi or scholar. He was the son of a carpenter. And so Jesus said, verse 16, he said, My doctrine is not mine, but his that sent me. Now, friend, this is, we will see this over and over and over again. Jesus said, I didn't come down from heaven to do my own will but the will of him that sent me. He said, I do always those things that please him. I mean, right before he went to the cross, what was his prayer? Not my will, but your will be done. This is a a hallmark, a, a key part of Jesus' life and ministry is his absolute submission To the will of God. His complete. Submission. And obedience. To the will of God. His willingness. To set his own will aside. And choose. The will of the father. Now to be like Jesus. Is to be like this. And he said my doctrine. Is not mine. I didn't come up with this. But his that sent me, and here's where where this part I've been referring to, verse seventeen He said, If any man will do his will, he shall know of the doctrine, whether it be of God, or whether I speak of myself. Now, there's a whole lot here, but notice just this truth: this is everything the Master spoke is absolute truth. Actually, if you look up this phrase in like Young's Literal and others, it says, if any man wills to do his will. I think that's a more accurate way of reading this. If any man wills to do his will, what's the next phrase? He shall know. He'll know what? Whether it's of God or Of man, we'll say. I speak of myself. How can you find out the will of God? Distinguishing it from what's just of man. It begins with a willing heart. I said it begins with a heart that is willing to do what he tells you before he tells you. Before you find out, I know uh, the Lord said this to me years ago, comparing it to radio waves, like even in your car or truck, on the radio, you got the FM band, you got the AM band, right? Well, can you pick up an FM station on the AM band? Uh uh-uh. And if you're on the AM band, you're trying to pick up an FM station, and you can't get it. You say, "Well, I don't understand. Why can't I get it? I need more power." So you get you get more amps. Still not getting it. Well, I need a bigger antenna. So you put you some great big whip antennas on the back. And well, I need bigger speakers. So now you got these great big speakers. You got the whip antennas. You got the amps. I mean, it sounds like you're you're frying bacon. Two blocks away, I mean, you got the system. But you still can't pick it up. You say, well, I'm too far away. So you pull up to the FM station, and you put your bumper up against the building. Can you get it now? You still can't get it. You say, well, they must not be broadcasting anything. I don't know why the FM station won't won't talk to me. No, no. Nothing's wrong with the station. You're on the wrong band. Get it over on the FM band. Here it comes. It was there all the time. It was broadcasting all the time. You just weren't receiving. The problem was on the receiving end. Not the sending end. And again and again, that's the case and unwillingness and defiance rebellion disobedience put you on the wrong band put you on the wrong frequency and it'll frustrate you why won't god talk to me you're not on the right band but as soon as you get the tuning knob of your heart and you become Willing. Then you start to receive the broadcast clear. What he's been saying all along. He didn't change. He didn't need to change. You can pick up the plan on the willing band. Can you see that? I said, You can pick up the plan on the willing band, a willing heart. You know, Jesus would say, Him that has ears to hear, let him hear. Well, he's not just talking about people that had physical ears or or that their eardrums work because most of them did. What's he talking about? What makes a hearing ear spiritually and what makes a, a deaf ear spiritually? It has to do with the heart. A willing heart makes a hearing ear spiritually, a hearing ear. So you you begin with genuine willingness. You know, we, we sing it. We talk about these things. I'll go where you want me to go, dear Lord. I'll do what you want me to do. But so many times, if they actually heard something, they go, oh, Lord. <laughs> you don't want me to do that, do you? Not really willing. I know I uh, talked about back at the beginning of Phyllis and I marriage, and I got this discontent. I mean, I, I got a lot of things. Could make a young man happy. I got a decent job. I got, you know, we weren't affluent by any means, but pretty good little situation. And, but I became discontent. It's not enough. And this is where a lot of people get off. If they don't know to seek God and get his plan, eventually people start reaching out for things they shouldn't reach for. And trying to fill that void. But nothing can satisfy you like the will of God. And so I begin to to reach out. Lord, what? What is it? And I must have said that I don't know, hundreds of times, maybe over the course of, of months. God, what do you? What is it? What do you want? What is it? Talk to me, talk to me. And being young and, and carnal, I'm wanting to see something written in the sky. I'm I'm wanting to hear an audible voice, or I'm wanting to see and feel something. And eventually, I know I was I was kneeling in our little uh, living room. And uh, finally just kind of ran out of gas and was quiet, laying there. And and the Lord spoke to my heart. I don't mean I heard an audible voice, but real distinctly. He said, uh, son, I've already said many things to you in the book, in the Bible. Find out what I've already said to you. And if I want to say something else to you, I will. And I I didn't know then, and I'm still learning more about it now, but why that was so vital. You see, if God just speaks to you spiritually, and you don't have a background in the Word, you really don't know who's speaking to you. Because everything that's spiritual is not God. You can have spectacular spiritual experiences that are not God. So how could I tell what's God? He wanted me to learn his voice. And to learn more about it. Didn't he say, my sheep know my voice. Well, it's the same voice in Genesis. That's in Revelation. Is it? Same Holy Spirit through a different human vessel. But the same one. Same voice of the Holy Spirit through every book, every page, every chapter, and he's directing me, get familiar with my voice in the Word. See, that way, when he speaks to me something specific by his Spirit, I'll recognize. I'll remember verses, and I'll know it's the same voice, and I won't be easily misled. And so I did. I began to To feed more on his word and more on his word. And it's the same voice that speaks to you about the small things of life. Same voice as you hear in Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts. Get familiar with that voice in the book. And you are safeguarded from listening and following something wrong that's spiritual and spectacular. And so then, not too long after that, he began to deal with us about going out to a camp meeting, Kenneth Hagin Ministries in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Looking back now, that was the will of God for that part of our life. We didn't know what it would lead to, but it took all the faith we had to go to that meeting. We didn't have a car that would make it that far, <laughs> dependably. We just went these little short trips around the house, you know. So if you broke down, probably a neighbor would come by pretty soon. Or, or somebody would help you, you know. But, uh, and, and the money for a room and, and for gas and for food. And, and uh, it took all the faith we had. But see, God had been putting faith in us with the word we'd been getting. And we're learning what his will is and what's not his will. Our mind is beginning to be renewed. And, you know, some folks eventually after we went there and, and, and what happened after that, people, some folks said, well, what's happened to them? You know, Keith and Phyllis, they've lost their minds. What are they doing? Well, see, that's the way the world thinks. Why would you do that? See, we're breaking from conformity with the world. Can you see that? And so worldly thinking now doesn't understand how we think. So we got out to the uh, the meeting and uh, got lost almost every night going back to the hotel, motel. We weren't used to the city. And uh, we just stayed at the convention center and ate those Liquid nacho cheese (laughs) things. (laughs) And uh, they said they were uh, giving free tours out to the Ramo Bible Training Center campus during the meeting. In the afternoon, in between services, you could go. It wouldn't cost you anything. That's the only way we could have afforded it then. And so we had an impression that we should go. And so we went out there, and they're touring us through the buildings and around the property. And uh, I remember we got to SDC 2, Student Development Center 2, and the music department there. And I'm just standing there, and the Spirit of God came on me. And I knew we were supposed to go there. We were supposed to come there. We didn't know that until then. So if you hadn't have gone to the meeting, see The will of God can be as simple as attending a service. And people say, well, what's the big deal about that? Well, you'll never know (laughs) unless you do it. And so he leads in steps. Revelation into his perfect will is progressive by steps. And it takes faith to follow. And so uh, we stood there and... Phyllis and I both got quiet. We're just little country people. And how could you even do this? I mean, it took all the faith we had to come out here for a week. To move. To relocate. To pay tuition. You know, get a place to stay. I mean, all of that comes back to what? Willing and Trust. Trust and willing before you even find out, and then trust to take the step in the next step. So we got on the bus, we're going back to the convention center downtown, and uh, it was summertime, middle of summer, and there's an oil refinery right, right across the river, right close to downtown, and it was kind of smelly <laughs> in the middle of a hot summer. And uh, Phyllis said, no, we didn't say anything to each other for half the ride back. And then she says, did you ever know that you were supposed to do something and you didn't really want to do it? I played dumb. I said, huh? <laughs> she said, it stinks over here. It stinks. Talking about the oil refinery. And so all the way driving back to Mississippi, we pondered this and we looked at it we actually before the week was over we went and talked to a uh, one of the instructors they had a booth set up out there about Raymond you could inquire and talk and so one of the instructor that i wound up with i didn't know who he was i found out later but he actually tried to talk me out of coming that year and uh, because you know september is just a few weeks and i'm sure talking to me he thought this lad is unprepared <laughs> <laughs> and uh, but we had the impression that we were supposed to go and so we began to take the steps that we knew how and it was a step after step after step and i won't go through all the details right now but oh man A walk of faith for us, for where we were. Every step was a step of faith. So we were going one year and then going back home to Mississippi. And at the end of the year, which in the beginning when we registered, it didn't look like we were going to make it the first semester, money-wise. But here it would come. Sometimes at the last minute, sometimes in pieces, but we made it through the first one and then we made it through the second one and then we'd made it through the whole year. Hallelujah. Amen. Now we're going back home, we made it, we did it, and through the first month or two of the summer there before we made any changes, we begin to get a little something you better you better ask me, you better check, you better check, and so. We concluded, well, no, we're supposed to stay another year. And that turned into 20. 20. And it's been that way year after year. Now for 40 some years, step after step after step. After being there for 20 years, the Lord dealt with us to liquidate everything we had built up and our house that was our dream home that we had just gotten and all of that and come to Branson. Yeah. Branson. We didn't know anybody here. The the airport wasn't the best. I mean they built us a new one since then, but I mean the point lookout is short. It's got a cliff on both ends and we had just started in aviation and I wasn't thrilled with any of that and and um, I was shaving one morning getting ready to do something and, and I was still kind of kicking this around I mean are we really going to do this and, and the Lord said to me he spoke to my heart he said he said Keith do, do you believe I'm able to do better for you than this talking about what we were what we were giving up what we were leaving do you believe I can do better for you than this I said yes sir I do he said, "Well, trust me." I said, "Yes, sir." And so we did. We put stuff up for sale. We sold it. We left it. We liquidated. It. We came out here, stayed in a little rent house that the water didn't work right in it, and, and it was it was close to a golf course, and and golf balls would hit the house while I'm trying to study. And <laughs> wasn't a perfect situation, but but the uh, the Lord said after being here for a few. Few weeks he said, I'm gonna give you the best of Branson. Yeah. And he has. Uh-huh. I said he has. Yes. We got this wonderful property right in the middle of everything. Yep. We got we got a good place to stay. We got the Lord built us an airport. That's, right. that's the first airport that's been built in the US with private funds in I don't know, decades and decades. It's amazing. It's astounding. We got a tower <laughs> in Branson. Yeah. And you may not know what that is, but I'm in a control tower. I, we don't have the traffic that would warrant that. But we got it anyway. Because God is good. I said he's good. Step by step by step. Can you say amen? amen. Did God have a perfect will for your life? Yes. Did it exist before you were ever born? Can you find it? Can you follow it? Can you fulfill it? Stand on your feet, everybody. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.